Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Farewell Mr. Nice Guy, and I am your host, MNG, and one thing I would like to say is I would like to say thank you for joining us on this fantastic journey, but it's not fantastic because there has been a lot of ups and downs with me, my son, and you know, our lifestyle, and we're going to talk about is something that's really essential, and this is one of the strategies that I want to give to men or fathers that are out there um, having to deal with their baby mamas or the mother of their child, however you want to call them. One of the things that I want to let you know is that this strategy that I used was very beneficial in how I stopped paying child support and got custody of my son. It kind of played a factor in it because I paid child support. For a year, and if you heard one of my previous podcasts when I was talking about some of the few things that happened in the beginning, one of those is that I had to pay child support, and I was giving her up to I think it was like $200, $240 a month in child support because that was the only way that she was going to allow my son to come and live with me was me paying her to relinquish him to me, and that wasn't the thing that she said in court. It took me to pay a hundred dollars to do that, but I was paying $140 every pay. One of the things I had to do when she wanted to change her parenting time or her custody time, it was I had her sign a contract. Now, what was the purpose of the contract? So the time that I was going to school, I learned about contracts and contracts gave me an idea that was really essential and I think beneficial to me coming off of child support at the time. Now I paid child support for a year. And my mom was a little upset with me that I paid her child support for a year because she said, well, why are you paying child support if you got on full time? The way the parenting schedule had went was that I had them Sunday to Thursday from 2 p.m. to the time that he got out of school and she was supposed to pick him up from school during that time. So, and he was getting out of school like what, three, 30, but I had him in a child care afterwards, so it was like a little after school program. I forgot what it was called. I think it was called Kids Zone, but it's irrelevant, but and she was supposed to pick him up from the aftercare. And eventually she stopped picking him up from the aftercare saying she had to work, she wouldn't be able to pick him up and everything. So and then he would just stay with me for the whole weekend. This kind of was a habit of hers with not picking him up and then he'll be staying with me for that whole weekend when it was her parenting time. And if he didn't stay with me, then he would stay with my parents because I would end up having to work. So I I had to go and find a second job to kind of make up for the money that I was losing. So it was like a little weekend job, like two days out of the week. And it was paying good money. So I kind of stayed there for a little bit. Even when I got out of child support, I kind of stayed. But contracts. So what's the purpose of a contract? The purpose of a contract is it distinguishes the parameters of the relationship that you have with the other person. So that's the primary use of a contract. So they use them in businesses. You know, you're gonna they use them in there's a transaction, maybe a financial transaction. If you're gonna sell something to somebody, a financial transaction that follows, then you want to go ahead and use a contract. Now, contracts I find very beneficial for all type of transactions that you want to use. And then sometimes it doesn't even have to be financial. You just want to just have 
some kind of contractual agreement between you and another party just to say, hey, yeah, we had a verbal agreement, but I also want a written agreement. Now, don't get me wrong. I know a lot of people work off of verbal agreements and that works for a lot of people. But verbal agreements are just that and they don't really hold when you're in court. So I prefer to have something written. If I feel like the situation is serious enough for me to have a written contract, I'll make sure that I have a written contract on paper, not over a phone, not over the text message, not over the email them saying, yeah, I'll do it. No, I need you to print your name. I need you to sign your name and I need you to date it. So now remember, the parenting time was from Sunday to Thursday, and then she would have Thursday to Sunday. And this was primarily when he was in preschool. So during that time, they only went to school four days out of the week. So then it left that Friday, that Thursday evening, Friday, Saturday, and then that Sunday. That was the parenting time. That's what we agreed to in court. It was kind of like supposed to give us somewhat close to 50-50 in time. So along with doing that, I'm like, all right, cool. That works for me. I'll have like my Friday evenings, and then I'll have like Saturday evenings, and then Sunday, get him back ready for school. And then we, we kind of keep it moving. As they say with life, when you make a plan, it doesn't always go the way you want to. How, how does it go? When you make a plan, God laughs at you, right? So that was the plan. The plan was, hey, you pick him up on Thursday, at the aftercare program and then I'll come and get them on Sunday and you have them for the whole weekend she comes to me I was at my dad house this day and she pulls up with some guy in a vehicle or how the case is and me I don't really care like I wasn't tripping that the guy was there irrelevant as it is but come on guys y'all understand when a woman brings another guy to drop your kid off or to pick your kid up. You gonna be looking sideways, who the F is that and all that. My thing is, I'm not even tripping. The reason why I'm not tripping is because I trust this woman. I trust this woman to make the right decisions. Now granted, she has not made the right decisions up until that point. You took my son and had him live in a shelter. I talked about that in my other podcast recordings. Took him to go live in the shelter. I went into detail about that. These behaviors that she was exhibiting just started to, they weren't even surprising anymore. Because I'm just like, okay, well, this is what you this is what you're gonna do. You're literally gonna do this. I don't know if you're trying to get a rise out of me. I don't know, I don't know what you're gonna do. And I don't even ask. You know, as long as my son comes back, he ain't got no scars on him, he ain't got no physical marks, we good. And he ain't coming back. I mean, even with emotional and verbal abuse, you know, you can kind of see some of the signs there. Kind of. Not really 100%. But it starts to become visible, especially if you have that connection with your kid and you talk to them. And that's kind of where validating their feelings come in at and being able to have that connection and knowing that they can come to you and talk to you about anything. You want to be able to have that connection so when they do go somewhere and they feel like they're not protected or they feel like they don't have nobody to talk to, when they come back to you, 
they will be able to talk, but you have to make sure that you have that avenue open and you're not interrogating them for information, but you're cultivating a relationship for them to talk to you. And when she came over, she was like, well, with my work schedule, I'm not going to be able to pick him up on Thursdays anymore. And this was right around when he started to go to first grade because I called her and I said, listen, what's happening now? She's going to, he's going to first grade. Well, he's going to kindergarten kindergarten sorry not first grade kindergarten so he's going to kindergarten and he's going to start to go to school five days out the week that means that when you pick him up on thursday you got to drop him off at school on friday morning now i'm completely comfortable with this i want this to to happen i had all the faith in her that she's gonna make the right decision and we were going to be able to co-parent and manage this like grown adults that wasn't the case she comes with this story while at my dad's house basically saying the way her schedule is she's not gonna be able to pick him up on thursday and take him to school on friday okay so that's gonna fall on me is what you're telling me so i'm like all right i'm like you know what don't even worry about it that's fine i'll take care of it So I was like, so are you going to be able to pick them up on Fridays? She said, yeah. I said, all right. So the next time I seen her, I wrote wrote up this contract. Now, I did me a little Google search. Basically, the contract stated, I, X, Y, Z, state that I am relinquishing or reducing my parenting time from this, which was that Thursday after school to Sunday 2 p.m., to Friday after school to Sunday 2 p.m. I never filed it in court. Now, the reason why I didn't file it in court is because I knew or I had a feeling there was going to be another change coming. And I tried to be fair because I didn't want to run out to the court every few days or every few months trying to enforce my rights because I know the judge probably would have got tired of seeing me. So the courts is actually as unfair as they are in certain times. And it's not the court's fault because they're only really going by the law that's being being enforced. So they're really just enforcing the law that came from legislation. That's one thing that I want y'all guys to remember. The law came from legislation. It's being enforced by the court system. So the court don't really make the rules, nor can they modify or change the rules. They can't really step outside of that. That's kind of something hard to kind of, it's kind of hard to deal with, but that's the that's the truth. Because remember, there's still three branches of government. Our laws come from the legislative branch. And then the judicial branch enforces the laws that the legislative branch put in place. So if you break the law and you have to go in front of a courthouse, there are certain standards and rules that are in place to go ahead and make sure that justice is being administered fairly, even though justice is blind. So you have to remember that. So once you have that knowledge, one thing you will know that is a court system, especially the child support court system in front of the court, is basically a tool in order to administer the laws that's already been set in place by the legislative. That's one thing that you have to remember.
So when I say it's a tool, you can use it as well. Okay, it's not like it's criminal law. It's not any of that. It's really a civil lawsuit. It's a civil lawsuit on behalf of the parent of the child. Okay, so in a civil lawsuit, cases are forever. Well, in this case, it's to the the age that the kid turns 18. But for the most part, civil lawsuits kind of can go on forever. So in this particular civil lawsuit, even though it's termed or capped at 18 and a half or 26 years old, however the case is, you can always go back, file a motion, always use the courts in your advantage. One of the things that I've learned, especially when using contracts, is that if I get that contract signed, even if they want to notarize, I'll notarize it and I will produce several contracts. Every time something changes, I'm producing a new contract. When you look at it from a business aspect, what you're doing with the child or the parent, the parent of the child, is that you're doing a business transaction at this point. Once the courts get involved, everything from there on out is a business transaction. Conversation is a business transaction. I'm treating you like a client. So how I treat clients is, okay, I'm going to get as much information out of you as possible. But I'm not going to tell you too much about what I'm doing. But I want a lot of information out of you. Because the information that I get from you, I'm going to use in court. Now, depending on what your state rules are. Like, you can't record a person on the phone without letting them know. And that's how she tried to get me up a few times. Is she tried to record me on the phone. And she would tell me, she said, well, I'm recording this phone conversation. And I would hang up. Because you're not going to bait me into a conversation. And then try to misuse the recording in court. I prefer text messages. And the reason why I prefer text messages is because when I'm communicating with you, I get a chance to think before I react. So whatever you say to me over text message, even if you wanted to use it in court, it's subjective because I try to do that. I try to use emails and text messages in court to kind of prove my case. It didn't go over well. Like I lost more than I won in that situation. However, the case, it doesn't mean that you can't use it. It's all in how you use it and what point are you trying to prove when using it? That's what I got from that. So when it comes to communication, and I'm going to go more in depth on the communication that you will need to use against a parent of your child. I don't want to say baby mamas or baby daddies. Like I, I try to use those loosely because I see them as derogatory terms. You know, at least if you show them, if you talk about them respectfully, I believe that you would treat them respectfully, even if they come with disrespect. But I'll go more into that in another podcast. However, when it comes to agreements and changes in parenting time, definitely use contracts, written contracts, signature, printed name, and date. It's beneficial. It holds up in court. I've done it myself. I had three contracts by the time we went back to court of the parenting time being reduced by her. And every time she reduced the parenting time, I made sure that I recorded it. I made sure that I put it 
I had her signature. She had a copy. I signed it. I had a copy. And we were good to go. I wanted to be fair to her as well as to me. So when it was time for me to file the case, or for me to file the contracts, it helped me get off of child support. So, and the way that happened is by the time, so a year had went past, and she had reduced her parenting time on three different occasions. And with all these occasions, I had a contract. And this contract, I had her sign it, date it, and she printed her name. She got into the habit of calling me in the middle of the week and saying that she needed to drop our son off so she can go and work. Now, I don't know how true it is or what, and I'm not here to speculate whether it was true or not. However, she would drop him off in the middle of her parenting time in the middle of the weekend and then say, hey, well, I can't keep him anymore. I need to drop him off. And I politely told her, I said, listen, when he's with you, he's your responsibility. So that means that you need to find a babysitter. You need to do all of that stuff. And if it means paying out of your pocket, you need to find that. That's your responsibility. But that's not what she did. She felt like she could just run him back to me and it was going to be okay. And I was just going to accept it. And that, that wasn't the idea because I wasn't going to accept it. And when I addressed it, she in turn told me that she could always quit her job and live off my child support payments. Now, mind you, I have my son Sunday, 2 o'clock, to Friday, to when he get out of school. So she literally only really had him for like 48 hours, probably less than that. Because when she picked him up from school, that's about like 4.30. And then when she dropped him off, it's about 2 o'clock. So, yeah, so less than 48 hours, she had him. And he was right back into my custody. I felt like she insulted my intelligence by saying that she would quit her job and live off my child support checks. Now, mind you, I was only paying $140 a pay. And I got paid bi-weekly. So I was only paying $140 a pay. But for her to have the audacity to believe that because I said something to her about being a responsible parent that she can give up her job and live off my checks was disrespectful. I'm already taking care of him. Paying rent, clothes, food. He has sensitive skin, so that's another cause. If Anybody out there knows when your child has sensitive skin, y'all don't use the same detergent. Y'all don't wash clothes together. Y'all don't wash sheets together. Y'all, the towels, if they get their own towels, then, you know, all your towels get washed in sensitive detergent. Then he got his own soap. So that's another thing. So those are just additional costs that people don't consider when taking care of a child. And she didn't consider that. She knew he had sister skin. He had his own soap. He went over there with his own soap. And then the detergent is separate. So if I'm using Tide, he may be using Tide, but maybe the sensitive Tide. So instead of instead of spending $20, $25 on, well, at the time, it was about $15. So instead of spending like $15, $10-$15 on detergent for the both of us, I'm spending like $30. I was like 20, 
maybe $25 for two separate detergents. And then we use two different soaps, so we can't use the same soap. I mean, we could. I could use the sensitive soap, but I wanted my own soap. So now we're using two different soaps. So that's one of the things that you have to understand that it came with additional costs. So for her to say, oh, I'll just lose your child support money. So you're basically going to quit your job to prove a point to me and live and live off my child support money. No, fuck no. That's insulting. You think I'm going to allow you to reap the benefits of sitting at home and living off my child support money while I take care of our child by myself? Hell no. So yes, I created those contracts and I use those contracts in court. And when I filed them in court, they asked her a simple question. Said, this is your signature? She said, yeah. She's like, and you know that you reduce your parent to time? She said, yeah, and she had to do it because of work. The judge simply said, okay, well, due to the nature of you reducing your parent in time, uh, we're gonna have to abate his child support. So when she said abate, I already knew what the deal was. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't know what the word meant. I had to do a Google search when I left. And I was like, what the hell does abate mean? But I kind of had an idea based on context clues. And if you remember what context clues are, it's basically understanding what a certain word means based on how it's used in the sentence. So when she said that we have to abate his child support, I already knew they was getting rid of it. I already knew they was getting rid of it. And as soon as they said that, I was like, oh, I guess she ain't going to be quitting her job no time soon. And she didn't even fight it. And then they came back. Now, mind you, this is how the system is set up. And it's not just for fathers. It's set up this way for defendants. Because if the mother was a defendant, she would be definitely be paying less. I mean, she'd definitely be paying more if she was a defendant. Now, that could be right. That could be wrong. It all depends on the money scale. Because it's a certain calculation based on how much money the person actually makes. But when we was in court, they asked her one simple They asked her another question. They said, um, well, they didn't ask her a question. They asked me a question. They said, once they determined that they were going to abate my child support, when they was going to get rid of it, they asked her, uh, they didn't ask her if she want to fight or anything, but they asked how much she made. And she told them how much she made based on what was on the file and how the case is. And then they looked over to me and they said, well, do you want child support? I said, no. I said, I really just want her to be a mother to her child, picking him up, spending time with him, talking to him. That's all I really want. That's all I ever wanted. I never wanted any money from her because I feel like requesting money for child support from a person, it kind of cripples them to not be a parent. Now, some people may say, M&G, you wrong. You not right. That's not the case. I pay child support and I'm there for my child all the time. Okay, that's you. But you also have a right to go down there and file against that order to get your child support reduced based on how much time you're in that child's life. Nobody wants to pay a high child support. Nobody wants to pay that cost. I don't want to pay that cost. I don't want to see you pay that cost. And that's why we're having this conversation. If you want to increase the time that you're having with the child, put it in a contract. Have them sign it. If you want to, re- if they're looking to reduce their time, put it in a contract. You got all these issues, put it in a contract. That's my, that's my best opinion. 
it worked for me because when I filed those three contracts and I'm like, here goes a paper trail of this person reducing their parenting time. They took my child support away. I only paid for a year, probably a little bit less than that before she pissed me off because she could have kept on getting $140 until she pissed me off. And once she pissed me off by saying that she was going to stay at home and live off my dollar, we wasn't having that. No, we can't do that. So I filed it in court and I got my, I got it abated. And they told me that she could pay me child support. It would be $40 a month. That equaled out to about like $20. It was like $40 and change, but it equaled out to about like $20 every two weeks. And I was like, I don't want that. Now, eventually, about two or three years later, they sent some review paperwork out, which I haven't seen the review, review paperwork ever again. But they probably don't have my new address. But they sent the review paperwork out. And they had asked, you know, what she made, what I made, who insurance was he on, the whole nine yards, all the little questions that they asked. And I sent the paperwork back in. And they sent me a letter that said they were going to charge her $40 a month to pay child support. She'd been paying $40 for about 14 years, $40, no increase, no anything, $40. Now mind you, my son's about to be 17. He been paying, she been paying $40 and still hasn't been as active as a parent. The most active that she has been in the last, I'll say since he started high school, is just really retwisting his hair. So every few months, when he get his hair retwisted, she pop up, retwist his hair. That's about the most active. Then I let her get him for the summer. So the last think, three summers, he's been going over there. I know everybody like, well, that's something. I'm like, it is, but I'll force him to go over there for holidays too. Because you barely pick him up on the weekend like you're supposed to, per the custody order. Because we don't file the custody order anymore. And I guess you could say that's an improvement on our conversation, but she just wanted to start having him for the summer. So I said, all right, cool. You can have him for the summer. But the $40 that she paying child support, all that goes straight to him. I set him up a bank account, and I just let that money just go there. I don't even touch it. I never needed it. Because at the end of the day, I just want her to be a parent. So I'll leave you with this. If you're looking to make an impact, or you're looking to make a change, understand that courts are a tool. You can go down there, you can file a motion. You can consistently file motions. If you need additional information or if you can get pictures that work in your favor, do that. If you are at custody of your kids and that person is not around or they're not trying to be around, I know it's a pain, but sometimes taking notes and keeping a detailed log of some of the stuff that was talked about, some of the stuff that was happening, is beneficial for your case. It may not seem like much, and it may not seem like much when you go to court, but just like any case, like a criminal case, when you start to go into the documentation and start compiling, 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 you start to realize how much evidence you have where a judge, they won't be able to refute it. They're going to have to take it into account because you put that work in. So if you got to do the contracts, if you got to take notes on when they pick the child up, don't pick the child up, when they don't let you see your child and when they deny you, take those notes. If you want to do it in your phone, do it in your phone. You know, notate the date, the time, the nature of the conversation, what was said, if you can remember. You know, do it the same day so it's fresh. You know, you try to go over to the house and, you no, know, you can't pick your kids up unless you do X, Y, and Z. Go back to the car, make sure you put that in your notes. 
So then when you're ready to go file your motion, you follow with all the notes and say, hey, I've been trying, but this is what I'm running into. The courts listen to that. File your motion. Let your voice be heard. Don't just sit back on the sideline and just let the court just take you for everything that you are and you don't get to be a father to your kids. I want to see no kids in any household go without having a father because I know what it feels like. So we are at that pivotal point where we're going to say goodbye to Farewell Mr. Nice Guy. I am your host, MNG. Thanks for joining us on this unfiltered journey with Farewell Mr. Nice Guy. We hope today's conversation brought you fresh insights and a renewed embrace of authenticity. To keep the canon vibes flowing, hit the subscribe button for more thought-provoking episodes and share the podcast with your friends. As we wrap up, keep embracing your true self, navigating life's twists and making connections truly count. Until next time, remember that your journey to authenticity and growth is one to cherish.